Hey, good morning, everyone, and everyone online. Welcome to Salem Fields. Let's stand to our feet and worship together this morning.
truth of that song he's already done everything he's already paid the price reaching every single one of us and he set us free but even with that freedom I feel like so many times we can find ourselves in bondage and we can find ourselves just in in struggle and in turmoil but we need to take that we need to surrender it over to the hands of Jesus because there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain to help you overcome each and every single obstacle that you face in your life and so as we continue to enter into worship, let's just rejoice in that truth that he is mighty and he is powerful and he is faithful to break every chain because there is power in that beautiful name of Jesus. So let's lift that name up this morning.
Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you that there was power in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that that power that raised Jesus from the dead. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that that power lives in us. So I pray today, Father, that you would surround this place with your loving arms. I pray, dear God, that you would meet every need that's represented in this place this morning. We thank you, Father, for those that are worshiping online with us this morning on this rainy day. We pray, God, you be with our students, be with our children. We pray, dear God, that you would bless those that are in the cafe and throughout this building, Father. We ask that, Lord, if there be things in our lives that are holding us back, that we'd realize, Lord, today that there is power in the name of Jesus. We pray, dear God, that you would bless Gay as she speaks today. The message, open our hearts to receive all that you have for us this day, Lord. We pray, Father, that you would help us as a church to continue to be the church that you've called us to be during these days, Lord. Pray for those that don't know Jesus in our community. God, help us to have the love and compassion to be uh, the person that you want us to be in their lives. And, Father, that we would make an impact. God, thank you for all that you're going to do this day in our lives. And we thank you, Father, that we can count on you, that you promise to never leave us nor forsake us, that you promise to be our helper in time of need. And so thank you, Jesus, for the promises of your word. And for this day, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to church today. You can be seated. We're glad that you are here today on this rainy morning. I was saying the last service we had umbrellas out. We're going to pretty soon have to put kayaks out <laughs> so that we can make it to, to the building. But anyway, we're glad that you're here worshiping with us today. And uh, we have just a couple things to talk to you about. One is that we'd love for you to check in on Facebook. It's a great way to get the word out about Salem Fields Community Church and uh, might just make a difference in someone's life, might change their life to know that there is a church 
that, uh, that you go to that might be there for them in their time of need. So if you can check in on the social media of your choice. First time guest, if you're the first time here today, we'd love for you to stop by our guest table as you leave today or as you go out the door. There's a banner there, and we'd love for you to stop so we can get better acquainted with you. And uh, <clears throat> sorry. And uh, also in the program, there's a connection card, and that connection card is just for you to use to share anything you want us to know about, pray about, or questions you might have, or just to stay connected to Salem Fields. And uh, so we appreciate you filling that out. We're going to take our tithes and offerings at the next song, and that's just the time we give back to God. Uh, for all that he's blessed us with because he owns everything and everything we have is because of God's hand in our lives. So as you give today, give us unto the Lord. There are several ways you can give and you, uh, many of you know that way and they're on the board there and just uh, however God leads you to give, give with a cheerful heart. Blue Star Moms, uh, this is the last week for our Blue Star Moms. Uh, we're collecting things for uh, Blue Star Moms, the moms of military uh, men and women to send overseas to those deployed uh, to make sure they get something at um, at uh, Christmas, and uh, you can be a part of that. There's a list out there that you can grab, but we need to get those in this week uh, because this is the last week uh, to do that, and we want to be a part of that. So thank you if you've already brought your stuff in, and if you haven't yet, we certainly could use your help in that. Military Appreciation Sunday is in two weeks. And that's a great weekend here at Salem Fields. If you're in the military, we want to honor you and show our appreciation uh, to, for your service. And also, if you um, know of a military person that doesn't go to church anywhere, we'd love for you to invite them to be a part of that very special day. Uh, we'll honor uh, specifically at 11. There'll be a special service, but we'll honor military in all of our services. So thank you again for being here. And oh, yeah, I got one other thing, and that's our Thanksgiving offering. Our Thanksgiving offering is something we do every year at Salem Fields. It's an offering that we give away to others. Every dollar, nickel, penny comes in, uh, we give away to others. And this year our goal is $60,000. And uh, <clears throat> we'd love for you to be a part of that. Our theme this year is uh, from uh, in, to infinity and beyond. And what that means to us is that every dime dollar that we give and that will go to someone uh, who maybe will accept the gospel for the first time or be called to the ministry or whatever that might be. And does not, not only does that money impact today, but in that person's life, it'll impact from it into affinity and beyond. And so if you could give today or this, this year a Thanksgiving offering, it would certainly help us uh, to impact our world. So every dollar you give will go to others. I think I said that. So be prayerful about what God would have you to give and help us reach that goal. Thank you very much. Stirred by grace 
over 
press into you this morning. God, we want to hear from you. And so I pray, God, that you would just meet us in this place, Lord. Our hearts are open. For it's in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior's name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. the second service? Maybe not. I was hoping the gnats would get rained out so they could kind of regroup and win for us this next time, right? Uh, well, you may not be Nats fans. We got to go to several of the games this year, and so I kind of got hooked. And it is the home team, right? So there it is. It is the home team. All right. So um, biggest butts in the Bible. That's what we're talking about and kind of a strange, weird series name, but here it is, and uh, we've been looking at, at those buts, but the word but, I want to take a look at for a second, because when someone uses the word but, B-U-T, in a sentence, usually what they say on the first side of that sentence gets negated by what they say on the last side of the sentence. If you hear someone go, like, I don't mean to judge, but... <laughs> And then they become real judgmental right there. Or they'll say, uh, I'm not mad at you, but, and then they tell you what you did wrong, right? Or you weren't wrong, but, and then they tell you how you messed up. So that's the most common way to use but in a sentence. Usually the second half is opposite and negates what you say on the first half. So just listen for that as you talk to people or even listen to yourself. But that's not our but for today. And I checked this out with, when you want to know the Greek, you call Kelly. And so I called him and I said, I've been, this, this verse has been part of my life for probably 30 years. No, longer than that. I've been married 44. I found it probably like three years after I got married. So this is over 40 years, this verse has been in my life, and it has impacted me. The Word of God continues to, to be worked out in our lives as we allow it to change us and transform us. And I found it, and here's, here's our verse uh, for the day. Let's read it together. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Now, we're going to talk about the first part of this verse first. You see in there that it says there's fear and there's the word snare. I'm going to tell you about that snare in a minute because it's a trap. It's a barbaric trap. And Solomon in this verse is saying that fear in your life can be a trap. So watch out. Now, all of us are afraid of something, right? Uh, tell me some things that... You've got, it might seem a little silly, a little irrational, but we have those fears. Some people fear heights. Anybody fear heights? Yeah? I can help you out with that. I love to go up high. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, okay, tell me some of your fears. Snakes. Snakes. That's always up there. 
spiders, that's always up there. I just killed one for you just the other day. Change, oh, change, you don't like change. I thought you meant like coins, change. <laughs> I'm afraid of pennies. Anybody else? Water? Oh, swimming in the water, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a very real, prominent, scary thing sometimes. Not for Gracie and Jackson, though. They're just killing it down in Richmond. They were in the water for, like, hours swimming at a swim meet. <laughs> Anybody else? Close quarters, kind of claustrophobic. Yeah, for me, uh, it's only with my legs because when I was very young, my brothers would wrap my legs in sheets and then laugh at me. And so they got a lot of pleasure out of that. And to this day, I don't like my legs to be, you know, in closed places. <laughs> so I haven't fully gotten over that one yet. But, you know, some of our, our fears may seem a little silly. So I found some. All you have to do is go online. You can find almost anything you want to find. So here are some kind of silly, funny phobias that might make yours look very normal. Okay, here we go. Asymmetrophobia, the fear of asymmetrical things. I kind of like that. I like those socks. The fear of cheese. I would die if I couldn't have cheese. So <laughs> push through that fear. Uh, the fear of dinner parties. Anybody have a fear of dinner party? <laughs> okay. The fear of dryness. Don't go to the desert if you have this fear. Ooh, here's one. The fear of being watched by a big duck. Now, I can't tell you if I'm sitting in my office and I see a duck that size out on the pond, I'm going to be a little scared. <laughs> Or the fear of flutes. How do you like that one? The fear of hair. Fear of love. Now that seems like that could be pretty common, right? A lot of people are afraid of love. Okay, how about this one? Read that word for me, please. <laughs> okay, that's the fear of long words. Okay. Let me go back to that one, and I'll read it. Hippopotamus-stress-equipped-dalliophobia. <laughs> Pretty good, isn't it? I'm not afraid of no long words. How about a fear of forks? <laughs> I had a little girl in the first service, and did everybody get your fork? And she looked up online as she was sitting there. What is a fear of fork? And there is one. There actually is one. There is a phobia and a fear for almost everything. Fear of your mother-in-law. Yes. Anybody fear yeah. your mother-in-law? Yeah. <laughs> Here's to all the mothers-in-law. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah, you can, you can find those. And, and, you know, when you see those, it's like they're very real. And they may seem silly and they may seem irrational. But here's the thing about fear. When you peel down underneath it, you'll find something completely different. For example, example, the fear of the flutes, we laugh at that. We think, how could anybody be afraid of a flute? But the reality of it is that actually came from years and years and years ago when they played flutes in war. And there were people that when, once they heard that flute, it would remind them, they would associate it with war. There was one, I don't think we showed it, but it was the fear of laughter. And uh, when they hear people laugh, maybe it brings back a painful uh, experience that they had when somebody laughed at them and they were put down. The fear of relatives, you know, well, we didn't see that one, but it's pretty cute. It has reunion sign. <laughs> 
But in reality, it could be that there have been broken relationships. There could be some pain associated because that's what we do with fears. We allow them to just kind of stay on the surface because once we peel down and we peel the layers away, it gets really real, y'all. It gets really real. Because there's some stuff down under there that a lot of times we want to avoid or not look at. But the reality of it is, if we do not face it, if we do not look at what is down under there, it will control us our whole life. It'll control us. And, and there's, there's always a root, and usually there's an association connected with some kind of painful experience. I have a definition of fear, and I want you to pay attention to this. It says, an unpleasant, often strong emotion. It's a feeling. And I capitalize that because I want you to be very aware. Can you trust your emotions? You know, a person will say, well, I feel like a bad person. Well, you're not. You're not a bad person, but I feel that way. Well, you're not. It's not true. You cannot trust your emotions. God did not give you emotions to guide your life. He gave you emotions as a warning signal to, to add some color to your life, but a warning signal that says, you know when the warning light goes off in your car, you say, whoa, it needs service soon, or there's something wrong, or there's something that I need to pay attention to. And that's what our emotions are. They were not given to us by God to lead our life. And we've got a world today, I think sometimes the idol of our world is our feelings. Because we, if it doesn't feel right, then we don't go there. If it feels good, then that's what we're looking for. It's almost like the idol is feel good. I want to feel good. And so I'll do whatever I can to feel good. God did not give us our emotions to guide our life. It says this fear is an emotion caused by the anticipation of danger. We run into danger all the time, every day. There are things that we are fearful of, people that we don't want to see. There are spouses that we've had arguments with. There are diagnoses that we just got from the, the doctor. There are things, there are dangers and toils and snares out in the world. We're not going to eliminate that. And it says that this is an intense state of being where you have this intense emotion. And what happens is it, the, the fear of emotion paralyzes us. And it grips us like a, like, like a, a trap. And let me tell you, fear is learned. Just know that fear is learned. Somebody said it, it's um, genetic. No, it's not genetic. When children watch people, they imitate what they do, especially parents. Now, when I was very young, my mom was scared to death of mice. Now, mice is my little fear, okay? She would jump up on the table. If a mouse ran by, she would jump up, and she would scream bloody murder. I mean, I remember th being three years old, and I thought, oh my God, I got to get up there too, because there is something to be afraid of here. She taught me how to be afraid of mice. And so I blessed Jody. And I taught her how to be afraid of mice because she watched me and she's given the gift to her kids as well. Now that would look like it's genetic, but it's not. Children are impressionable. They watch you. 
They see what you're afraid of, and they will be afraid of that. They watch what you worry about, and they will be worried about that. And we don't allow our children, you know, when they start acting out, we don't realize that they've just been watching us. And if we could just correct that within ourselves, how much more safe our children would be. And so that's what we're going to look at today. There are healthy fears. Now, we want to teach our children not to run out into the road because there's like two tons of metal coming down the road. That will kill them. And so we want to teach them healthy fear, just like the fear of the Lord, fear of God. Now, that doesn't mean, ooh, I'm scared of God. No, it means a reverence. It means being in awe of someone who is so great and wonderful in our lives. So that's healthy fear. But then there's unhealthy fear. And this is a real or perceived danger that we have in our life that just washes over us and it paralyzes us and it grips us. It's an unhealthy fear of something emotional. It affects our heart and it affects our thinking. And unexamined, if we do not pay attention to that, to that warning sign, it will grip us like a snare and it will take us by the throat and it will control us. And then what we do is we try to control other people and we try to control our world and we become a control freak because we're trying to get some control in our own life and we're on our own. And it's killing us. It's destroying us. And I got to tell you, over the 30 years that I've been in the ministry, I don't see people getting better, actually. Because in reality, we're still denying, we're still afraid, we're still allowing our pride not to look at the very thing that could set us free. So there's, un, there's unhealthy fear. And, and what happens is we take all of the good fears and the bad fears as a child and we put them up in a ball and then we stick them down in our heart and then we walk into adulthood and unknowingly we're carrying all of those fears, healthy fears, unhealthy fears, and we don't take the time because, you know, to come and sit like this and really allow God to make us think and to, and to speak to our hearts. and We just go about our daily day. And we're impacting our world and our own lives and the people around us every single day. You see, fear is sneaky. Unexamined, it is destructive. And it's destructive to our relationships. But the number one way, I can tell you this, I love it when someone has a fear. I'll say, I'll I'll help you get over that if you really want to do the work. You can get over that fear. You don't have to live with that anxiety and that fear because it's one of the most treatable problems that you can have in your life. It's just that people are afraid of fear (laughs) and it keeps them paralyzed. And many of us here today, many online, are gripped by fear and by anxiety and instead instead of digging into it and facing it, we're medicating ourselves and can't even have the emotions and we don't even, can't even think clearly instead of saying, you know what, I'm gonna walk through this and I'm gonna tear this apart and I'm gonna dissect it because the number one way of overpowering anxiety and fear is to face it and to own it and to name it and to dissect it and to annihilate it and to not allow it to control your life because it's controlling the other people and your world and it's unhealthy and it's destroying 
you. Fear is powerful and it resists letting go. Let me tell you something, you and I are no match for fear. It is powerful, have a healthy respect for fear. Now I wanna show you a snare. Here's a snare. Now this is a trap that is outlawed in many states, but a, a barbaric trapper will use this snare because they know that when it clamps down on an animal, the reason it's barbaric is because it's not meant to kill, it's meant to torture. Because when that animal tries to get out, the teeth just dig deeper in the flesh. And that's exactly what fear, unhealthy fear in our heart and our mind is doing us today. We're trying to get out of it on our own. And the more we try to get out of it, the more it digs deeper into us, the deeper the trap goes, and the more paralyzed we become, and the, and, and the more miserable we are. And if anybody in this world be living a free life, apart from anxiety and fear, it should be the ones that have the superpower in their life, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that's walking with them through every part of their day. Solomon said that fear is like this snare, and it will destroy us. And some of us are gripped by that, and it's destroying your relationships, and it's destroying you, and it's impacting your children, and you're teaching your children to fear things that they don't need to fear, and you're teaching your children to worry about things that they really shouldn't have to worry about. Look at this next picture. An eagle meant to soar, caught up in a snare, wounded, grounded. And many of us live life like that. That's not what God, it does not have to be that way. That is not what God intended for the crown jewel of this earth, you. You are the most valuable, valuable thing that God has. He loves us. He does not want us to be grounded and wounded, yet we've been caught up in that snare and we haven't known how to get out. We were meant to soar fear and anxiety. Let me tell you what anxiety is. Anxiety bubbles up. It's all of these unknown fears that are just in this gray cloud. And people say, well, I don't know what it is. Well, of course you don't know what it is because you have to sit down, you have to tear out and dissect and take every fear that you have. And when you do that, you become bigger than it. And it's like fear of a mouse. You know what you do when you're afraid of a mouse, right? You eat one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I've never eaten one. I never will. But I could. <laughs> you see what I'm talking about is overpowering. We have that power and it's overpowering. It's like a snare. It's no joke, y'all. But we're worrying about money, and so we work ourselves silly, and we're trying to control our bank account because we don't ever want to run dry of money. And we're worrying about that illness. I had two people come to me in the first service and say, my grandfather just got diagnosed, and another one has to go back for a biopsy. And I said, you've got reason to be afraid. 
Now, how are you going to choose to handle that? Because we all get to choose. We're not a victim of the snare. We get to choose even if we've been caught up in the snare, we get to choose how we're going to respond to that. Anxiety is just simply all of those unknown fears and the usual response is that we just try to control everything. We become a control freak. Anybody here ever gotten called a control freak? (laughs) Or call yourself that? That's how we respond. But there is a superpower. And if we have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal savior, we have been given that power. A power that is greater than any power that has ever existed. A power that is power over every power that exists on this earth and in heaven. It's our superpower. It's the Trinity. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they are available to us to open that snare. They give us They have that power to do that for us. So if you've accepted Jesus Christ, uh, Acts 1.8 says you will receive power. Now, how many here would say, I've accepted Jesus Christ, my personal Savior? Raise your hand and be very thankful for that. For every hand that was raised, you have a superpower. You have the superpower that is above every power. That's available to the people who have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Acts 1.8, you will receive power. But here's the thing. We receive that power, and we have Jesus as our savior, but his work is not finished in us. And this is where Christians begin to just kind of level off. We forget that when we were wounded in that snare, as we all have been, that once that eagle gets out, This eagle had to have his leg amputated because gangrene set in because he sat there for so long. But he did not die. And gangrene set in, and so when that snare was taken off, that eagle had to have that leg removed, but he still had wings. And that's us. You have your wing. And you have a superpower. And that fear, whatever that is, as you peel down and as you find what that is, can be healed and you can be free. And you can soar as this eagle can still soar after his wounds are healed. The eagle does not get out of that snare and just take off. The eagle has to take time. You know, when when we have physical surgery, we don't expect the physician to be the one that heals us. We have to cooperate in that healing. We have to do our part. There is hard work. And this is where believers start kind of flattening off. I don't want to do that. I just want to be comfortable. But the problem is you're going to carry that fear for the rest of your life. Why not take the time to begin to dissect and to name it and put your pride aside and say, you know what, I'm really scared when, or I'm really fearful when, or when this happened to me, this is what what happened in my heart and my mind. I got to tell you, when I started digging down in, into my heart, and I discovered that I had a fear of abandonment, you know, I was, I looked fearless. I mean, I've jumped out of planes, I jump off of cliffs backwards, 
I have gone spelunking into caves. I mean, I've done, I've been in a hot air balloon. I mean, if there's an adventure, I'm going to take it. So people would look at me and they would say, you're fearless. Well, that's the way that I looked and I am an adventurous kind of free spirit. But I never realized that I was carrying around a fear in my heart. And that fear in my heart was wounded when I lost my father at 15 years old. And I had to have a stiff upper lip and just keep on going. And I had to be strong for everybody else. Because as a 15-year-old, I had to be the stable force. And so I never really got to deal with the hurt and the pain. And so over time, it came out as anger. And I, and, and, and I was angry, even entered into my, my marriage, angry. And like there would be a time when it would just kind of explode. And I had no idea that as I peeled that anger away, that I discovered that there was a fear that needed to be healed. And I remember the day when I took ownership of my anger. That I didn't blame anybody else. I didn't say it was because I lost my father. I was angry. See, there's a big difference be between saying, I'm angry at you, and saying, I'm angry. I'm angry. Now what am I going to do with that? Because the moment we start pointing fingers is the moment that the snare takes our neck. But as we go to the Lord and we say, okay, God, let's peel this away. I want to once and for all annihilate this thing that's controlling me. That's when a profound healing begins. That's when it began for me. I discovered it about 10 years ago. And as I discovered that and I, and I walked through that, wrote a little book called The Truth About Me because I found out the truth about me. And when I discovered that fear of abandonment, I began to see how I lived my life and actually was sabotaging myself by creating and, and latching on to people that I should never have latched on to because I, just, I would take the crumbs because I just didn't want to be alone. I liked alone time. It kind of tricked me because I liked being alone. But what I was concerned about, what I was fearful about, is that I would continue to lose the people that were important in my life because I've lost a lot of people. And that's where the fear just kept going deeper and deeper and deeper. But when I exposed that wound and I began to allow God to pour his blood on that wound, I got to tell you, the work from that point on has not been easy. But I'm telling you, I do not want fear controlling my life. I don't know about you, but I do not want fear and anxiety to control my life. And so I was willing to look at that. And as I allowed him to begin to, to, to heal me, and I found it, I began to respond differently. God wants us to be restored. He wants his creation to go from the fall to redemption, to restoration. Because do you know what a witness that is in the world? Everybody wants that. It's just that we as believers need to be gutsy enough to begin to say, I once was this, and now I'm this, and that's only possible because of God's healing power and because I was willing to do the work. And that's where we get in trouble because it's hard. People will say to me, well, it's so hard. Well, yeah, 
But Jesus did carry a cross for me. And he did get nailed, and I remember that on a daily basis. What he did for me. Can I not do this for him if he wants me to be a witness in the world that says this is what he does to restore? You better believe I'm going to do that for him. Why would I ask you to do this? Well, I'll tell you why. I've been working with people for a long, long time. Been in the ministry a long time. Been a professional counselor for a long time. I've heard a lot of secrets. We cannot have healthy relationships apart from what Jesus teaches us. To not worry. To not be filled with anxiety. We will not have healthy relationships. Somebody will pay a price. Because the controller goes after more vulnerable people. And until we break that chain and break that cycle, our relationships will not be healthy. Another reason, to sleep well at night. One of the biggest problems that our culture has today is sleeping. And there's, people are spending a fortune on apps and all kinds of different things, and the reality of it is there's no softer pillow than a clear conscience. Why would I ask people to do this and actually give you the opportunity to say, you know what, that made me think and maybe I'll consider this? Well, because you have a purpose. When you were born on this earth, God had a plan and a purpose for you, and he needed you to accomplish something on this earth until the day that you breathed your last breath. When I got up this morning, I, I get on my knees first thing, and I say, God, <laughs> this is amazing. I mean, it could be the worst day of my life, but I have hope because I have Jesus. I have a ton of promises that he will not break in my life. And I have purpose because I'm still breathing. If I'm still breathing, I cannot tell you how many times I've got up in the morning and I said, well, I'm still breathing. So God, you said that you would complete this purpose until the day I die. And I, so I, I need to be focusing on my purpose that you have for me today. That makes for a good day, y'all. That makes for a good day. You got Jesus, you've got promises, and you've got purpose. There's nothing more to a meaningful, better life than that right there. That's why. But the biggest reason I ask and I give people opportunity for this is so we can look more like Jesus. He was not anxiety-ridden. He was not fearful. Did he experience healthy fear? Maybe. But he did not allow that to determine how his life went. Let's look at what Jesus had to say about fear, worry, and anxiety. It's from his famous Sermon on the Mount, and I would encourage you to read this. I may even do next week's message a little further on this, but Matthew 6, 25 through 33, Jesus said this. He said, I tell you, don't be anxious. Now, if Jesus asked us not to be anxious, wouldn't it be ours as receiving the power that he's given us, receiving our salvation, that we would be willing to say, okay, God, I'm going to do what I can to allow you to show me how not to be anxious in this world because it does not come natural. It doesn't come natural. It's not going to be something that all of a sudden God's just going to dump on you. Okay, now I trust God. No, he's not going to do that. He's not going to just dump a, a happy, wonderful life. No, that's not how this works. He said in, his, in, in the scripture, in that scripture, he said, you take a nature walk. And you listen to the birds. And those birds are out there in the rhythm of his nature. 
and they, they don't have to worry about what they eat. They don't have to worry about anything, and then bam, they get killed. <laughs> Hopefully quick and easy. <laughs> but he said, I take care of them. He said, look at the lilies of the field. They sway in the wind. They don't have to worry about being clothed. And he said, why is you my precious? Why would I not want even more for you than that? I'll take care of what you eat. I'll take care of what you wear. I mean, all of us, we're sitting in a building here. I bet most of us came from a warm home this morning. Had a good bed last night. How many people have eaten in the last 25, 24 hours? Anybody? <laughs> We've had food. He prom he's proven himself. He's proven himself. He said he would take care of every need that we have. Why would we not jump out into the unknown with him? Well, because we fear. Because fear is in control of our life, which brings us to our big but for the day. Now, right here, pop it up there. That's the biggest butt you'll ever see. <laughs> you can tell people you saw the biggest butt I ever saw in church. <laughs> there it is. Brings us to our big butt, brings us to our fork. So pull your fork out, okay? Because we've headed into the next half of this verse. And I wanted you to have this fork because this signifies that every single day, probably 20 times a day, you come to a fork in the road where you get to choose how you're going to respond to that person that gets on your last nerve, to that spouse that you're in conflict with, to that boss that treats you unfairly, to those drivers out there, every moment of the day, you come to a fork in the road. And you know what? God gives us the, the privilege of choosing which path we'll take. Now, the left side of that verse says, I can be fearful. I can ignore my fear or avoid my fear, and I can be really tough on my own, or I can control this situation. You can go down that path if you want. But on the other side of that verse, it says, but he or she that trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. What does that mean? Will I not have hard times anymore? No. You will have sad things happen to you. You will have bad things happen to you. You will be in dangerous situations. You'll have people accuse you of things that aren't true. You'll have all kinds of things that happen to you. But you have to decide, are you going to try to control that and go down the fear road? Or are you going to choose to put your trust in your superpower? But I can tell you, trust does not come naturally. It is not something that God will just dump on top of you and say, okay, now, but he will prepare you for the fork in the road. And I want you to take this fork with you this week. People were putting them back, and I said, no, you take that, and you write but right on there because you're going to see before you even leave here, you're going to have opportunities. You're going to have choices, and you have to decide, are you going to go down the road most traveled? That's what I see in our culture today, even in the church. Are you going to go down that road, or are you going to go down the road less traveled that says, I'm going to jump into the unknown? Because what does this safety mean? Well, I'll tell you what it means. It means that God has you wrapped 
in his invisible, secure, strong arms so that when you take that fall or when you jump into the unknown, he is going to hold you securely. And whatever happens, he's going to be there right there with you. Are you gutsy enough for that? Are you willing to do that? Because it takes faith. And you know what faith is? A lot of people go to the gym. I don't go to the gym physically. I take walks and I do long walks and it's not so much as much for my body as it is for my mind. But what faith is, is exercising our spiritual muscle. Faith is a muscle. And it will not get bigger unless you exercise it, unless you practice it. You've got to practice this. This will not just happen naturally. You've got to make a daily commitment that says, when I come to that fork in the road, I'm going to do whatever I can, whatever it takes to put my trust in God and move forward into the danger, not away from it, because I know that he's going to be there with me. Now, not, I'm not talking about being foolish. You know, when I was adventurous, I always did things within the rules. <laughs> you know, I wasn't, I wasn't like, whoo, I'm just going to do whatever I want. No, I, so, so I'm not talking about foolish things, but I'm talking about walking by the voice of the Holy Spirit. And as he tells you, this is the way you will annihilate fear. This is the way that you will build your trust in me. You take it and you practice that he has those loving arms. You are safe. You have the assurance. You know that you know that you know that God is walking with you. He has directed you to restore. He has directed you to do that thing that you've been fearful of. He has directed you to start tearing that anxiety apart and coming over top of it. And you walk with him in those fearful places. That's the way you overcome fear, and that's the way that you learn trust in God. We are safe in his arms. It does not promise that bad things won't happen, that sad things won't happen, that injustice won't happen in your life. They will. We live in a fallen world. That's the way this world works. It'll always be that way. But here's what we got to do. We got to make peace with the fall. I was talking with someone who had a fear of heights. I love talking to people about fears <laughs> because you can overcome them. You know, I was thinking about doing something called adventure therapy and taking people on trips and they have a specific fear. Like if they fear flying, I'll sit right beside them on the plane and we'll walk through this. And by the time we land, they're going to be an overcomer. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> I love talking to people uh, about fears. But I was talking to somebody about his fear of heights. And he said, you know, there was this little exercise where people stand down here and you stand on the edge and you fall back. Now, there are two kinds of people here today, those that would do it and those that would never do it. <laughs> and because you have to trust the people down there. And he said, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And so as we were talking, I said, well, what was it that you were fearful of? And in my mind, I thought falling on the floor. And he said, Noah. I'm not afraid of the fall or the injury because I could handle that. He said, what I'm fearful of is the actual fall. And I began to think about that. And I thought, that's exactly what it is. That's why we don't step out into the unknown. Because first of all, we're not fully aware of God's invisible and practicing our faith 
his invisible arms around us to step out into the faith, into the danger, into the unknown. To me, it's exhilarating because January 1st, I will have no paycheck. And God promised me that he would take care of every need that I have. And I cannot wait to see what he's going to do. That's stepping out into the unknown. And I'm also going to see how much a paycheck wrapped in around my security. You understand? I'm going to be challenged. And there are going to be very difficult days. And there are going to be days when I'm going to say, God, what? You promised. Doesn't seem like you're coming through for me. There are going to be those days. But I got to tell you what I have, superpower and some invisible arms. Now, I'm going to show you a little video, and the first part of it is just for my own pleasure because I'd like to do this. The second part, then, we'll talk about. Watch this. <laughs> Anybody do that with me? <laughs> you're safe and secure. <laughs> okay, so as I was talking to, to my guy that had a fear of heights, I showed this to him. And afterwards, he said, he said, yeah, that would be, so you see how the, the girl is going to do the bungee jump? And the man is like when you uh, go out of a plane, you know, you've got that tandem person that's hanging on to you. So the person with the arms there is wrapped around. So when I talked to my guy with the fear of heights, he said, yeah, that's exactly what I'd do. I'd hold on for dear life. I said, no, 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 no. You are not the one with the arms. You're not the one with the arms. You're the one that has decided to bungee. And you know that was scary. And you know that they were taking a risk. But they said, you know what, you'll be secure in the arms. Now, there is a possibility, because you have to sign a form, you might die. <laughs> when I jumped out of that plane, I knew there were three percentages, 33 in the third percent, I would be injured, 33 in the third percent, I would be safe, 33 and a third percent, I would die. Those are not good odds. 66 and two-thirds percent, something bad might happen. But I did the work, and I said, I will not let fear steal that 55 seconds of that present moment of the free fall. I will not be free because I spent my life as a child dreaming in my dreams of swimming through the air, and I would not allow anything to rob me of that free fall for 55 seconds. So I did the work of the fear because the only thing we have is our present. We don't have yesterday. We've got the consequences of it. We don't have tomorrow. We only have the present. And we need to be very fully present when we hit that fork in the road and be very aware that our thinking is saying, I have a choice. I can allow the snare to continue to grip me or I can do the hard, hard work of allowing God to continue to transform me and to change me. And I know you have a fear of change, Patty, but this is the kind of change you want in your life. This is the kind of change because God will do that because we can step out into the unknown with those invisible arms. And Jesus, you know, I loved what he would do for us. He took all of the Old Testament and he simplified it down to two things, love God, love people, love yourself. And he does that for us today with fear and anxiety. He says there's only one thing you need to focus on. Put me first in your life. 
practice trust in me. Exercise your spiritual muscle. Be very present and know that God's invisible, safe arms are around you all the time. You woke up this morning and had tons of his promises available to you, but this is a big one. He said he would never leave you or forsake you, no matter what the danger, no matter what the argument, no matter what the jail sentence, no matter what the anxiety, no matter what. He's going to be with you. Oh, that means that we can step confidently in the Lord out into the danger. Man, can you imagine if people would see believers living like that? Not foolishly, but secure, testifying to the invisible arms of Jesus. And here's how I'm going to step out. It's exhilarating to me. I just, I just don't think God... I just don't think I want to see people gripped by that snare anymore. And so I have to tell you, but I can't, I can't do it for you. Only you and your relationship with God. So I just want to tell you three things. I want you to remember this truth, that power that you have available to you. And if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you can today and you can receive that power and you are equipped to face any danger, any toil, any snare in your life. You are equipped because you have that superpower. The second one is you cannot learn trust alone. You have to practice it in the context of relationship. That means a relationship with God by accepting Jesus Christ, and that also means in relationship with one another, in your marriages, with your families, because they challenge you the most. Don't pray those challenges away. Take those challenges as God's opportunity in your life for you to learn how to trust him more. And in community, we've got to have face-to-face -face in this Highly technological, the Pandora is out of the box and we've got our devices forever, but we've got to practice meaningful face-to-face -face connections with other people in relationship. That's what community is all about. And the third one, it's not going to happen just come to church one day a week. Jesus said, take up your cross daily. He said, pay attention daily. Because you're going to have opportunities, and the more you exercise this, the more you trust, the more you're secure of his presence with you. You know, a lot of people say, well, I just don't feel him there. Well, your feelings are lying to you because he's there. He's there. Don't let your feelings lie to you. That's a trick of the enemy, and it'll keep you paralyzed. And so daily, you've got to practice that assurance. He's with me. I've had opportunities. I told you, I don't know, you may have heard my lava field story, but my brother left me out in the middle of a lava field in Hawaii, and I was by myself and had no direction, had nothing, no water, nothing, in jeans, no hat, nothing. And I said, well, Jesus, I guess it's me and you. And guess what? I'm here today. I came home safe. There was no guarantee of that, but I can tell you this. His loving, invisible arms were wrapped around me that whole time. Did I get a little edgy? You better believe I did. It doesn't take away fear. It just manages it so it doesn't control you. And that's what God wants in our lives. We've got to practice it daily. Refuse to allow the enemy to tell you lies. 
Let's worship.
prayer. I want to dance in the deep. I want to dance in the deep. And peace is not just dumped on us. It comes in the midst of the storm. The peace. Jesus was sleeping in that boat and the storm was raging. The storm's not going to stop. You can't control it. But you can control how much you exercise your muscle of faith. I want faith to rise up in me and I want my life to be a witness of God's work, not my own. It's exciting, but it's also, I have a healthy respect for life because it can be brutal sometimes, but I've got some invisible arms. Now the pastor and the counselor, psychologist in me wants to give you a little tool that you can use when you hold that fork up and it says, but there's this little tool that if you would find a scripture that means something to you, personalize it. A scripture that means something to you and write a story about it. Like uh, God is a strong tower and the righteous run to him. You can create a little story like this. You're riding through the woods and it's dark and you're alone and you're scared and the bad things are chasing you as we all have. They're chasing you back there and you're riding on your horse and you're riding as fast as you can but you hear the hoof prints back there and you don't look back but you know that they're coming up on you very quickly. But in the distance, in the clearing, you see a castle and that's the strong tower. That's your father. That's my father. And as I go faster and they get closer to me, I see the drawbridge. I'm yelling out to my father as we can. We can yell out to him. He loves to hear a scream. Father, I see the drawbridge come down and I ride over the moat and into the castle and the drawbridge comes up and the enemy is out there and I am safe. Find a scripture. Write a little story about it. And when you take that fork, even maybe before you leave here and you know you have a choice, you tell yourself that little story. Because as you exercise your faith, and as you practice the presence of God in your life 24-7, your life will change. may not be easy, but you'll be amazed that you will soar like the eagle. That's what you were designed for, you know. Father, thank you so much for your word. I thank you for how it cuts through. I thank you, Lord, for Solomon that wrote these words of wisdom, that a fear is like a trap. But Father, we can securely put our faith and trust in you and practice that relationship, do it in the context of our relationship with you and understand the challenges that come our way are only opportunities for us to grow in our faith with you. Father, may we be victorious people here and that some of the chains have been cracked and broken and the snares have been opened and may we be people that go out and start talking and having conversations about the things in our lives that have held us back so that we can give you glory for setting us free. Father, thank you for each person here this morning, for those online. I just personally thank you, Lord, for the trials and the tribulations and how you've brought me through, through dangers, toils, and snares. 
we've come. And God, please help the Nats win. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.